things about it, and and uh, but it just kept sticking in me, and and seeing some things in it that I wanted to share with you. In Micah chapter six, verse eight, he said, "He has shown you, old man." Now he didn't say he's shown you, old Israel. He said, "Old man," and and the word man here. I don't know how to say this. It just means everybody, okay? It's not just talking about men. It's talking about everybody. What is good? He's shown you what is good. Now, the word shown here means it's got two different meanings. Number one means that I have written it and you have given it to you so you'll know it. And the other shown is I have demonstrated this to you. And here... God is saying, I have demonstrated to you through my prophets. And then we come on down and look, Jesus demonstrated what we're going to talk about to the fullest. So he has shown you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you. Don't say this is what the Lord hopes you'll do or the Lord thinks maybe this is a good idea. Said so this is what the Lord requires of you. Now, that puts us on the spot, doesn't it? I mean, it's sort of like paying your taxes. They require that. So you do it. You may not like it, but you do it. So God said here, this is what I'm requiring of you. This is what I want. That, first of all, that you do justly, that you love mercy, and you walk humbly with your God. Now, this has to do in three areas. Do, to do justly has to do with me. And that simply means, and we're going, we'll talk more about this as we go along on these Sundays, that simply means that I set myself to do what's right. You got that? Sometimes we do what's right if it suits us. If it don't suit us, we don't do what's right. Y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching good now. Love mercy has to do with others. See, we love mercy if I can be shown mercy. What he's saying here is not only do we love it when we get shown it, but we love it enough that we show mercy to other people. And then to walk humbly. This walk humbly means it shows some progress, but it's talking more about humility. And, you know... We've got a lot of humble people in the church today. If you don't believe it, you just talk to them. They'll tell you how humble they are. I'm so proud to be humble. Walk humbly, and we'll talk more about that too. Humility don't mean that I'm a nothing, a worm, a nobody, or something like that. Humility means that I recognize that before God I can't, but He can that's what it comes down to. And then we follow that right up. I can't, but he can. And because I recognize he can, then I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That's not pride. That's not arrogance. That is pure humility before an almighty God. But we'll just take a couple of minutes now. Because I want to get your mind to begin thinking. He said, walk humbly with your God. With your God. Who is your God? Now, think about it for you. Just, oh, God's my God. Just think about it for a minute, okay? 
Let's qualify this for just a second if we can. When you pull up to the traffic light or when you're sitting alone or just before you go to sleep at night or when you're off by yourself, what does your mind drift to? Now, I'm not talking about what's going to be for dinner or i got to go to work tomorrow, but what does your mind drift to? What do you begin to think about? Think about that. I mean, just what do you begin to dwell on and think about? And is it, you know, something you did three years ago that you wished you hadn't have done or something that came up? And, and, uh, and it begins to consume your thinking. What do you call something that consumes your thinking? That consumes your attention and maybe promises a change. You call out a God. And you say, Pastor, I don't like this already. I can tell where it's going. I don't like it. Well, listen, it gets worse. What does your calendar say? What does your calendar say about who your God is? You think about that for a minute. Because if, if most of us would be honest with it, we're just, how you doing? Man, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I got all this to do, all these things I got to do. And we do a lot of things. We show a lot of action. But if we don't watch it, we're leaving God out of a whole lot of it. Right? What do you call something that dominates your time? Call it a God. Whatever it may be. If it dominates everything about you, and that's all you're thinking about, and that's what you're doing, you're making plans for this the whole time, and you've got every slot filled up. And, and listen, I'm so thankful that I've just got to be a great-grandfather, and I don't have children at home anymore. And my grandchildren's got too old to do school stuff, and my great-grandson is not old enough to be there yet. I'm enjoying this time because y'all folks know that if you've got a child in school, especially if they're involved in sports, that's the main thing that goes on around so many houses. It's built around that, right? And there's nothing wrong with sports. There's nothing wrong with children being involved. There's nothing wrong with parents being busy. But what do you call something that dominates your time? I mean, if that's it. Because, see, they, I, when I was coming up, there was no way that we would ever practice football on Wednesday afternoon. Never had school activities on Wednesday evening at all. None. And Sunday was just completely out. But that's not so anymore. All right, one more. <laughs> what does your bank statement say? Who is, who is your God? What does your bank statement say your God is? See, the Bible says that we're to give tithes and offerings. That's what it's there. That's one of the things that God requires. Who do we give them to? The church? No. Do we give them the pastor? No. We we give into this location, but we're honoring God with what we're giving. And he said to honor the Lord with your substance, that means everything you got, and then the first fruit of all your increase. Increase is anything that comes into your hand that you've got more right now than you had a while ago. That's increase. Honor the Lord with that, the tithe. But let me say this to you now. There's people that tithe 
religiously. That's the only time they think about God is when they drop that money in the, in the offering plate, and then he's not nothing else until next week when we drop money in the offering plate again. Now, y'all got quiet again, didn't you? God, I feel like God is probably more concerned about how you use the 90% than he is the 10%. See, we get selfish with that 90%. And we think that because we give, then the church ought to help that guy with a, with a tank of gas. That family down the road with some food. That person that's standing on the corner with a sign, you, well, they ain't homeless. Hey, you don't know. Ask God, God, out of my 90%, who can I help? You say, well, man, I'm doing all I can to help me. And that might be the reason that we're doing all we can to help ourselves is because we're not doing anything for anybody else because his word says that he that shows mercy to the poor lends to the Lord and that which he gives, the Lord will repay him again. Okay. Walk humbly with your God. Are you walking humbly with your money? Is that your God? Your time? Is that your God? Think about it. And in the meantime, I love you. The pastor's going to come next. Thank you. Come on, master. Y'all don't have to call me Master. It was just a joke. Jenny was calling me Pastor Perfect the other night. And I said, well, somebody told me if you put Mark and Pastor together, you get Master. So I can't help it. I didn't come up with it. It's just what I was, just what I said. So again, good to see everybody. Thank you all for being here this morning. Welcome in our online watchers and Facebook. I know there's a couple people already on there watching this morning. Um, so... And then forget, you can watch it on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Sermon.net app. If you listen to podcast channels, it works most of the time. I don't know why. I have to do some more research on that. But the Apple Podcast and Amazon Music Podcast is on there also through the, through the week if you want to listen to it. But um, it's good to have these avenues we can get the word out and spread spread God's word on there. and And... You know, somebody will pick it up and listen to it. I mean, you know, whether it's whatever it is, whatever avenue we can get the Word of God out, um, we do that. And thank Daddy for devotion this morning. Walk humbly. Um, and we're going to talk more about love here in a minute and loving mercy and loving others and giving others. This is in First John chapter 3 we're going to read here in a little bit about doing that and uh, about actually showing love versus just telling somebody we love them. So... But um, did you, you didn't mention about the 31st with the outreach program at Hartsville, did you? Okay. So, and I haven't found out as much this week about it. We mentioned it last week with partnering with some other area churches and LifePoint Church in Decatur um, at the Civic Center in Hartsville on the 31st. That morning, they're going to have a reach program or to where they're School supplies and different things. I think they're going to have a place set up for haircuts if people need haircuts and can't afford them or get them and serve a lunch. Um, but, you know, we 
always talk about getting outside these walls. This is another part of it. And so if we partner with other churches and other things doing it's the body of Christ coming together, not the name on the door or out on the sign. So we don't look at it that way. But um, the guy that's over it or part of it is supposed to be contacting me this afternoon. So I will have more information for sure by next week um, on that. So, well, let's receive our offering. Amen. Amen. Since he talked about pocketbooks and stuff, I don't have to talk about tithes and offerings because he brought it up this morning. So we can just, everybody should just give freely, not grudgingly nor necessity for God loves a what giver? Cheerful giver. That's right. That's right. So, amen. Everybody should have our offering envelopes. We'll pray this morning. Uh, Miss Dortz, her niece, she asked for prayer for her this morning. Gail's her name. Um, she had a blood clot that caused a seizure, right? She had mentioned this before church. So we want to be praying for her this morning. And Jenny Jacobs, we're praying for her. She goes for another kidney test this week um, that they can get that cleared up. And her son, Jamie, that he just had this back surgery and can get over that if he needs to. So, well, all right. Well, let's, ma'am, do what? A stroke. That's right. Not a seizure, a stroke. Sorry. All right, all right. Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come again, and we just thank you for this wonderful time together that we've had already. God, that your just presence and glory and the spirit that we felt in this place, and we still know you're here, Father, because we're gathered together in your name. And God, I just ask that you just touch and bless each and every person here, Father. God, we just ask a special blessing on them. God, that we just clear our minds and our hearts to receive from you this morning. Whatever it is you have for us, God, that we just take from this and we grow and we, we go out and spread your love and your gospel as you've told us to each and every day. God, we bring these needs to you right now. Miss Doris, her niece Gail, God, that you just touch and heal her right now in the name of Jesus from the cystics, fibrosis, Father, the, the stroke, the, the complications from that, whatever it is, God, that you just touch and you move wherever she's at right now. We thank you for it, Father. Pray for Miss Jenny as she goes for the doctor. The doctor this week, God, that you touch. And, and, Father, heal her right now, God, if these things in her kidney, these whatever it is, these tests can, can be clear. And, Father, she'll have no more problems with it. And we just continue to ask you to touch Jamie and, and be with him as he's recovering from this back surgery, Father. God, that goes well. And, and, God, that he just gets up and goes as he needs to and as he wants to, Father. And we give you all the glory and honor and praise. God, we bring our tithes and offerings to you this morning. God, that you touch and bless each and every person here that gives, that, that, just, that we give just... With joyful hearts this morning, God, and we thank you for it. We thank you for your love and blessings on us. Be with the service this morning, God, that you touch me and give me the confidence to preach your word. God, the things you've showed me and given me, and, and God, they go out on fertile ground. And God, we just open up to receive from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 The, the goodness of my life, amen. Yeah, nobody see nobody move with that song or nothing. They could have perfect chance for a bunch of white folks to actually show some rhythm this morning. They didn't do it. 
me. I like Toby Mac. That's, that's his new song he's got out, The Goodness in My Life. And it's all about God. He's a goodness. Thanks again, Sydney, for singing. Love that song. Run to the Father. Amen. I listen to it a lot, and every time I do, she's, it's been a few years since she sung it, and I think of her singing it. And um, really good words to it. My soul found, my heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, right? And we just keep running to the Father again and again and again, no matter what goes on in our life. We know His grace and mercy, we can come back and we can go, and um, He'll accept us every time. Amen. All right. Um, children can go to Children's Church this morning. Good crowd again. I like to see the the growth of our children. And we just invite people for Wednesday nights. You know, we've got a lot of candy. If nothing else, tell them, look, you can go and get candy and learn something of God. But we got a lot of candy back there. We went and bought a lot yesterday. Um, but I believe we're going to have a good time. I know they was up here tie-dyeing shirts the other night um, or attempted to tie-dye shirts. It didn't... <laughs> It didn't go as planned. I, I didn't participate. Me and Jimbo was painting the halls, and if there's any paint marks on the ceilings, that was not me. So There was only one other person painting, so I'll leave it at that. But So if we are. Y'all see all the sheetrock work is done so we can, and primered so we can get ready to paint in here. Um, we'll, we'll look at doing that here the next couple weeks. I mean, we don't need a lot of people over at the school so i mean if if you can paint and you want to come paint some then we can set up saturday for you to paint if you would like to that's no big deal either we can get this stuff done and knocked out and and go on right Um, but we do appreciate all the help all the work that everybody's doing appreciate it you don't know how much it means to see the amount of people that just come and join together and work and we get we get things done so it's, it's it's good it's good. I still hear big churches talk about they still can't, you know, get a lot of their people involved. They're still the same people. And I said, we're blessed at church to have the number of folks that we do that come and get involved every time. And we've been here before where it's not been that way. It's uh, So it's just been two or three doing the same over and over. But I love to see love to see people come and work and want to get involved for sure. So turn to First John chapter 3. First John chapter three. Last week we learned and, and read that God loved us so much He called us His children, right? He called us His own. He didn't just say you're a stepchild. He said, No, you're a part of my family. You're you're, you're one of the fold. Your your name's written in the Lamb Book of Life when you accepted me as your Lord and Savior. So so that's who we are, and that's that's what we can look at ourselves and call ourselves at. We're the redeemed. Right, we we have been redeemed and and made new again, no matter what's went on in our life. He goes on in the next few verses talking about sin, and a lot of First John. There's a lot of talk about sin. We've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it some more this morning. And you know, we seems like it's what has been the main focus the past few weeks is talking about sin in our life and and how we can rid ourselves of those things and what we can do to overcome sin each and every day. And we're going to learn today it's a daily battle. It's an hourly battle. It can be a battle minutes apart to where the bombardments of our thoughts and minds and temptations that come and things that we do and say that we've got to learn to overcome 
as being a child of God and the power that He's gave us to speak those things and, and to overcome them in our life. But I want to read in 1 John chapter 3, we'll start in verse 4. And this will be out of the um, Amplified Bible. And what I, there's a couple places here, it's a little different than what's on the screen, but, but y'all can read along. It says, Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So sin is anything that against God. Sin in the world and sin, even though there's laws in this world, people disobey laws and are lawless and do whatever they want to. So there's repercussions and problems that they've got to face for breaking those laws that are down, written, you know, around us in our physical life, but it's lawlessness. They want to do everything they can against what they know to do, and it's the same with sin in our life. We're doing opposite against what God has instructed us and commanded us to do, and not law, not the Old Testament law, but the law He's laid down. Don't do this. And He's commanded us not to do it. So lawlessness, and it says here, ignoring God's law by action or neglect or wrongdoing. Tolerating wrongdoing. We've all done that, haven't we? We've all tolerated sin in our life and people we love's life, whether it be a spouse, child, whatever. And we've tolerated it to a point in, to where we just make excuses for it. We try to justify, especially with our own self. Or if you've got children or whatever, you know, we, we, we make excuses for those things sometimes. Well, they do this because of this. And when they had this go on, it's still sin. But with lawlessness, we tolerate those things. And if we let it creep in, we'll tolerate it more and more. And that's what's going on in our society every day. We just tolerate the things. We tolerate those things. We don't speak up against them or speak around besides here. We don't speak like we need to or talk about it like we need to. And we just tolerate whatever's going on in the world. Well, it's all right. You know, that didn't have much in it. You know, there's a, a show on Amazon that I've watched. And... Of course, it's, it's, a, it's supposed to be about um, going to the moon and, and different things like that, the space program. It starts back in the 60s and them going up through that. And, of course, in homosexuality into the thing. And it's like, well, we were doing good. Why did you have to bring this in? You know, why you had to bring something in? And, and not only that, of course, it's going to bring men sleeping around on their wives and all this kind of stuff and the wife doing the same to their husband. So no, that sin of homosexuality is no worse in God's sight than committing adultery. Don't get me wrong. And, and, but it's like we were doing good and we had to bring this other stuff in because it's tolerated in the world. And that's what the world likes to see. So that's what we're going to show on everything that we watch where, unless you're watching Christian programming all the time, which might not be a bad idea with all the junk that's going on in the world today. So... He says, being unrestrained by His commands and His will. So being unrestrained, not worried about what He's commanded us, what His will is in our life. That's sin, that's lawlessness in our life. And we're going to read on. If we practice it, we're not of Him. So it goes on and says, You know that He appeared in visible form as a man, Jesus, as Jesus, in order to take away sins. And in Him there is absolutely no sin. Absolutely none whatsoever. We read that, that in God there can be no darkness. And we know that sin is darkness because it's opposite of God. So in Jesus there's no sin at all. There's none. So he goes on and he says, Absolutely no sin, for he has neither the sin nature, nor has he committed sin acts worthy of blame. Worthy of blame. He's, 
He has not got a sin nature. We use the excuse too much that we still have a human nature, right? And we do. We live in a world. We're in a human body. Jesus was the same way, but He didn't have a sin nature. He didn't have that nature of sinning in His life. He didn't have that nature of rebellious and disobedience in His life to what God's will was for Him that we have in our life. I know I fell into it before in mine to where I know what God said and I know what I'm supposed to do, but that pride and disobedience wells up and raises up to where I get into an area in my life where I have a sin nature because disobedience is sin just like anything else. So if we're disobeying what God's told us to do, we got sin in our life that we need to get rid of. And so he says, No one who abides in Him, who remains united in fellowship with Him. That's where we want to be, right? Every day we want to be in fellowship with our Savior. That's what He's called us to. But no one who remains in Him or abides in Him. It didn't me, anybody else, the Pope, whoever it is, that claims to be a child, and He's called us and loved us so much that He called us His children. No one that remains in Him, united in fellowship with Him, deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. No one. If you know people like that, and if that's you in your life, you're not in fellowship with God as you need to be. They're not in fellowship with God, and their fruits and your fruits in your life are going to show it each and every day. And you can come to church and hide it on Sundays. You can hide it around me for a while. But there's been nobody that has sinned in their life or committed sin or whatever that has not eventually come out. At some point, it's going to come out. Whether it's now, whether it's ten years from now. You try to hide it, and we try to hide it from each other because we, we talk about it in our men's class. We don't want to be real with each other as we're supposed to be. I don't want you to know exactly what I'm doing wrong in my life because you're going to think bad of me. I don't want you to know these things in my life and, and we don't come in here and talk about it. We come in here with smiles on our face and, and fake it because we got areas in our life where we're deliberately knowing and habitually committing those sins in our life and not doing anything about it to change. Nothing about it at all. And I don't know why God keeps bringing this up. Maybe I need it. I know I need it. Because there's things in my life that I continually need to work on each and every day. I continually need to watch what I do and how I do it and not fall into these traps to where I can be in fellowship with Jesus as He wants me to be. And I'm not going to be if I've got any area of disobedience in my life. I can get to a point, but I can't get as close to Him as I need to be because I have a wall built up. A wall of whatever it is. Whatever it is in our life, it can be something small, but we know that God's told us to stop. It's disobedience and it's sin. It could be not forgiving somebody. It could be not loving others as we're supposed to. It could be like we talked, we just heard this morning about having another God in a place of Him, and we can't get the creators we need to be because we have this other God in our life. So, no one who eventually sins, no one, he says this again, no one who habitually sins has seen him or known him. Nobody. Nobody. We can say all we want to that Jesus is Lord of my life, but if we're continuing in sin, Jesus is not showing that he's the Lord of our life as he needs to be because we won't change what we're doing. We won't give up those things in our life we know are fun. In the world's eyes, we won't give up those things because we don't want to. We don't want to. So all sin is lawlessness. 
And we tolerate those things. We compare our sins to somebody else's thinking that ours is not as bad as theirs. And, and you know, we're just, we're, we're doing okay. But no, if there's sin, there's sin no matter what it is. And Jesus come to take away all of it. We're the ones that hang on to it. We're the ones that keep coming back to those things. And John keeps saying the same thing over and over. And he's, we're in chapter 3, so the three chapters that we've read, there's a lot on sin. Each, where, each one of them. And why? Because sin has been since the Garden of Eden and in man's life, and they've, we've always seemed to go fall back in that same thing to where we give in to those temptations. No matter what it is, we give in to those things we know we shouldn't do to feel, fulfill a pleasure in our life for just a moment. We give in to those things. So, we can't compare to each other because we do this, we're still sinning for, for one, so we can't keep having lawlessness in our life. And, and so, in verse 6, I'll read this out of the uh, New King James. Whoever abides and does not sin, whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. No one that has sinned and keeps on sinning knows Jesus like they say they do. Nobody. Nobody. In verse 8, he says, He who sins is of the devil. Of the devil. So I'm a child of God. Well, if you sin, sorry, the Bible says that you're acting like a child of the devil because you won't get rid of the sin out of your life. And you say, well, you, you act like I'm supposed to live perfect. Jesus was perfect, wasn't he? We're supposed to strive for perfection. And for Christians means to be Christ-like. So if we're supposed to strive for those things every day, even though God knows we're going to fail at them because of everything that we're supposed to do in our life. That's why grace and mercy is right there for us to grab onto and that forgiveness. But why do, why do we fall short in trying to even obtain those things every day? Why? Because when things come up in trials and circumstances in our life, a lot of times the first thing we do is we fall back into the flesh or we get mad at somebody or we say this about somebody or we're going to do this to somebody instead of going to God in prayer. I mean, it's no different than an argument with a spouse and it goes on and on and you've got to say, say right? You've got to get it off your chest. And you just keep, keep at it because you want to say more. Then they say more. Then you say more. Instead of, and instead of stopping and saying, hold up, hold up, this is not how we need to act. If God is the head of our marriage, then we need to stop and resolve this now. And I mean, I'm speaking from experience because I don't do it all the time either. And, and so, you know, I, don't, I need to get better in that area to where I'll, I'll hush for a little bit, right? Or maybe you're the other side of the spouse needs to hush a little bit. I'm not talking about my wife. I'm not. She does not need to hush. I need to hush. Verse 9. Right, it's on there. You can go back and watch it anytime. It's archived. Whatever. Whatever. I'm just trying not to get beat when I get home. That's on tape too. No, she does not. I love her. She is a wonderful woman. And thank God for all the time. Be 23 years this month. That's right. Verse 8 says, For, he is a, for, for the devil has sinned from the purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The Son of God was manifested. He destroyed everything that the devil set in place. And that's, that's what Jesus came to do, and that's what he gave us authority to do. So verse 9 says, Whoever has been born of 
does not sin. Does not sin. And the question I had when I read this, I'm like, well, I'm a child of God. Why do I keep sinning? Why do I let these things bring me down to a point sometimes to where I know in a road, going down a road, I know I don't need to go? Why? Can I just blame it on my human nature? No. To a point, I guess we can, but we can't just keep falling on that. Because we're a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. If that's, if that's who we really are and who we claim to be, then we're born of God. We cannot have any sin in our life. It says, for His seed remains in Him. His seed. So when we got born again, God planted a seed inside of us. And we all know what time of year it is. And we all know that people's got gardens everywhere, right? Most people's got gardens. Planted something. When you planted that seed of whatever it was, you didn't just toss it in the ground and forget about it. You go out and work it every day. You go out and tend to that whatever seed that you planted for that plant, whatever it is, so you can receive the harvest over what you planted, right? So you, you get all the weeds out from around it. You take care of it. You take the rake or the hoe or whatever, and you, you, know, you water it. You get all, everything out from around it so it will grow into what it needs to be. Well, I believe when God seed, His seed in our hearts, right, and come to live in us, He didn't take it and just, well, there you go, and leave us to ourselves. But it's our job as a child of God to remove those things out of our life that are the weeds, that are the different things that come and try to creep in and cover up that seed that He planted inside of us. Because He planted something, God's going to see an increase. He wants to see that increase in our life. And so He's given us the tools, the Word of God, the relationship with Him, to where we can go and talk to Him and ask for forgiveness and wisdom to know how to remove the things out of our life that are causing what He's put inside of us to get covered up by all the other things of the world and all the problems and all the circumstances and depression and anxiety and all this other stuff that we try to cover up what He wants to bring forth in our life. But He never will because we won't get the things out. We won't stop doing the things that we was doing we won't get rid of whatever it is because it could be painful. It could be something as simple as deleting Facebook off of your phone. If that's what gets you in a time to where you're away from God, gets you in whatever else in your life, gets you in covetousness, gets you in seeing somebody else or gossip or slander, whatever it is, hey, delete it. You, every one of these phones, especially this iPhone, I can hold on an app and it'll say remove app. Remove it. And then guess what? When I open my phone, I don't have it to look at. I don't have it to worry about. I don't have to worry about it consuming my time. And we use social media a lot. Why? Because it is a lot of people's problems today. In this day and time. It used to not be this in the, in the other generations, in the older generations. I know that but you, the older generations still get into it, and it can be a problem to them. I mean, maybe it's something you're watching on TV or listening to on the radio or, or who you're associating with. Maybe you need to get rid of them for a while. And you get rid of those things out of your life that are causing the weeds to grow and we're not doing anything in our life to take care of. So that's who we're born of God. And He's planted a seed. Don't let the seed that's planted in your life keep being covered up by the things of this world and the things in your life that you're too proud and you're too stubborn to get rid of because you're not going to have the fun that you think you're going to have. So... This is what the Word of God says. God has planted a seed in each and every one of us that's called on His name. All right? This is talking to the born-again believers. 
the ones that's called on Him, He's planted that seed inside of each and every one of us. And He wants it to grow. We're the ones stopping it from growing. So we need to watch ourselves and not stop those things in our life from growing as it needs to because we're falling in the traps and the snares of the devil. We sin because we want to. Don't we? Because we want to. And it all goes back to what we're to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All of it rides on that right there because we don't want to give up the things that He's told us to. We sin because it's fun. It's fun. It's fun for a season to live in sin. It's fun to try to hide it a lot of times and live in that sin. And, and, and so Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 31, verse 31 says, I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I die daily. He's talking about dying to our flesh daily. Dying to those things in our life daily. We need to put roundup around those weeds in our life, don't we? To where they'll die out and wither up from the roots. And tend to, our, tend to that seed that God's planted inside of us and die to this world and this flesh daily and those things around us where He can be number one in our life. Verse 33 goes on and says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company. What you're hanging around with, what you're watching, what you're doing, if it's evil and contrary to God and His Word, then you need to get rid of it. And if you think habits, and a lot of us do, they're going to eventually corrupt those things because you won't get rid of them. You won't get rid of those things and areas in your life. It says, awake to righteousness and do not sin. Awake to righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing in God's sight. When we said, Jesus is Lord of my life, we became then right standing in His sight. We did, but we let sin come in and remove us from that area. We've got to ask forgiveness to get back where we need to be. He says, do not sin, for some do not have knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He says, so awake the righteous, do not sin. Don't let the things in this world continually, like Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. He goes on to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, right? The author and the finisher, looking unto Him. So those things, and we wonder why we still sin and, and still have problems in our life because we let the things that easily beset us bring us down. And guess who knows each and every one of us in our life? That'd be the devil. He knows your weak area in your life, whatever it is, whether it's one of those three, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, or pride of life. He knows whichever one it is, and He's going to put it in front of your face and in your mind all the time to constantly tempt you, constantly try to bring you down, constantly put weeds in that area where God's planted that seed in your life and, and where you will not be and bear the fruit that Jesus wants us to bear. So He's constantly going to do that. So we've got to get over that, got to get out of that. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, So since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth of the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. That seed that Jesus put in us, that seed that He was born of, is incorruptible. Incorruptible. I know we looked at it a couple of weeks ago in our men's group in Matthew chapter 1. Well, all that Jesus came from was a bunch of messed up, just bunch of different people. Just bunch of different people in the lineage of Jesus. From where Jesus 
when that lineage of David, where he come from, you know, there was a prostitute in there. There was David in there that was a man prostitute at most, some of the times. And, you know, all these things that had that come about out of people's lives that were not perfect, that, that you know, you would have thought was some of the scum of the earth, it's the worst, but all of that in the lineage of Jesus. Why? So he can show that he can make imperfect perfect and that he can come from whatever he wants to come from to show that he is God, he is Lord of lords, he's the king of kings, and he can make imperfect perfect no matter what goes on in anybody's life. He can do those things and this incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Through this word of God, obeying the truth through the spirit, love, love each other. We talked about that this morning, you know, love and mercy enough to show mercy to others. He's done, it's done been said this morning. So our souls have been purified. Our souls have been purified through Jesus, through the washing of the blood, through us saying, Jesus be Lord of my life. We purify. He has purified our souls. We've been born, we've been born not of any corruptible seed. Nothing. Nothing's going to come up different than what God's planted unless we make it come up different. Right? God's planted it. God's perfect every time. God is perfect. And everything that He does in every way, He is perfect. We're the ones. Man gets in the way. Man gets in the way of what God wants to do. So we have an example of what true love is, don't we? And that's Jesus, our Redeemer. The one who died on the cross for us and gave His life up so that we could be called the children of God. We have that example. And want to go down to verse 16. 1 John chapter 3. Since Peter was talking about love, we'll just keep on that same, the same thing and get through this chapter hopefully this morning. In verse 16 it says, By this we know love. We know love. Why? Because of what Jesus done for us. Our prime example of love. Coming down to this earth, leaving deity of heaven, the only king to ever leave his throne to come down here and become man. And die and live that sinless life and die for us. No other king or anybody, any other God has ever done that for any, any anybody else. Because he's, he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, for each other. That's how we should do to each other. We should love each other enough, no matter what nationality, race, you know, man, woman, boy, girl, whatever it is, that we can lay down our life for each other. That's how much we need to love each other. Just as Jesus done. He said, I don't know that I can, you know, I don't know that I can die for them. Well, then you need to go check yourself because Jesus, he didn't die for a certain race. He didn't die for a bunch of white folks in America, I promise. He did, but that's not all he died for. He died for everybody. Everybody. Red, yellow, black, white, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. He died for every soul because a soul doesn't have colors, does it? He looks inside of us. He didn't look at our skin and say, well, I'll die for them and love them more than I do them. But that's the way the way human minds tend to think of it a lot of times. But that's not how Jesus looks at it. And so, we lay down our lives for each other. But he goes on to say, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in needs and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So if you have an area in your life or you have means to where you can help somebody else in need, it's like it was said this morning, we, we leave that to the church a lot of times. But the, I would say the church isn't there at that time of need, but they are because you're the church. This is just a building we congregate in and meet in, but you're the church. Jesus told Peter what? He said, upon this rock I'll build my church. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He didn't say upon a church building or upon where you gather every Sunday. He said, no, you are the church. So if you are the church and you see somebody in need, then you as a church ought to help them. You as a church ought to show them the love of God. No matter what's going on or where you are in your life, you need to show that. Because it says, how does the love of God abide in him if you don't do that? How, do we, how, how, does, it, how does it not? If Jesus is Lord of our life, number one, and we see somebody in need, no matter who it is, what's going on, and we pass by them, you know, 18 times a week or whatever, and they're always holding a sign up. I Trust me, I, I get these thoughts too. The kids out there in the strollers and the baby seats to sit by Walmart, and I know, I've said it, they just want another handout. You know, they're just looking for more money. But they go get a job. We don't know people's past history. We don't know their stories. We don't know what's going on in their life. That could be sincere. I don't know. And I've had it in my life. There was a point to where when I was working in Birmingham, especially, I'd stop and get gas at different places. It was just like I was a magnet. People coming up wanting money for different things. And, you know, and I'd buy them food or fill their tank up with gas. You know, I wouldn't get, I don't carry a lot of cash on me, so I wouldn't have cash to give them. Man, let's walk into the store. Let's help out. And those are the ones you know are really in need. You say, hey, let me go buy some groceries. Let me go get you some gas. And I say, ah, you know, I need some money. But you do, and if you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit, say, yeah, give them something. Give them something. And what they do with it is between them and God. Not you. You've obeyed God. You've done exactly what this verse says. Who sees his brother in need, sees somebody in need, and then we didn't shut up our heart from him. Why? Because we had the means to do it. It goes on to say, Children, do not love in word or tongue. Do not love only in word or tongue. We talk about it here a lot. You know, share your love. It's easy to look at people and say, hey, I love you. Love you. Love you. I love all of y'all. I do. I do. I love all of y'all with the love of God. But he didn't stop there. He says, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. So that means we've got to show some action somewhere. That means we just come to church and say, hey, love y'all. Y'all have a good week. You know, what about if we call somebody during the week? Or we meet with somebody for lunch during the week? Somebody somebody even here, or somebody that we know that we need to witness to, and we're bold enough to go meet them. We're bold enough to go talk to them. And, and not just here on Sunday mornings. Love them in deed and in truth. Showing that love each and everywhere we go, no matter what's going on. And he said, because it, it could just be a call. It could be a text. Well, I don't know so-and-so's number. If you see them here this morning, you, you want to know their number, ask them. I'm, most of them will probably give it to you. and Or talk to me. And, you know, I've got most everybody's number in here. And we don't just give numbers out freely to where everybody knows everybody's phone number unless they want it. Because some people are, you know, don't like that. And I understand. But have those people to we can count on each other. And it's not just the men in the church that have to call. It's not just my job. And I used to do it when he, when he was lead pastor, whatever you want to say. Oh, well, they can call him. No, it's, it's my job also. It's your job to call so-and-so. You say, well, where have they been? Have you called them this week? No, have you called them this week? Have you got in touch with them this week? Have you seen how they're doing? Sure, I, I do. I, I strive to call everybody that I know is having issues or whatever's going on, but it's not just up to me. There's other people that can do it. I'm not just the body of Christ. 
It's everybody else in here. So we can all do this. We can all show love in, in word and in deed and doing different things to each other and for each other. We can show the love of Christ. And, and this builds each other up. I know I've got texts from people in here just, hey, just wanted to, just wanted to say, you know, praying for you today. That means a lot. You know, just to know that somebody else is praying. And I pray for all of you. I do. And, and you know, this is, we, we all need each other. We all have to do this. So in verse 23, so it goes back. This is His commandment. This is His commandment. Jesus commanded us to love others, right? Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love our neighbor as ourselves. That's His commandment to us. John brings another commandment. You can parallel 1 John and the book of John and a lot of it line up because he's going back to what he heard Jesus say and reiterating it to the ones that wasn't there when Jesus said it and say, this is what the did right here for us to do, and this is His commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's His commandment. He wants all of us to do that. We talked about it in length before. There's nobody that He does not want to believe on His name. Nobody. He, he, he didn't predict some to, to go to heaven and others to die and go to live eternity in hell. He wants everybody in heaven with Him. Everybody to believe on Him. And love one another. And love one another. You say, it sounds simple. It does. It's easy for us to say we love each other, but showing love. We've got to show love. He said, and He gave us His commandment. He gave us His commandment. Love each other. Believe on His name and love each other. Loving goes into, I'm showing love, and I can't truly love that person if I'm holding anything against them, no matter what it is. That don't mean you have to go out and be buddy-buddy with them because it hurts you. But that does mean that you have to forgive them because they hurt you, even when they say things. Because if we're going to love as Jesus loved, Jesus got hurt a lot. Jesus got talked about a lot. He got physically hurt a lot. Hung on a cross because of what He said, because of loving others. And we can't go around saying, well, I don't like them. I don't like what they do and say. Then we're not going to be like Jesus. We're not following this commandment. It's that simple. So anything in your life that you're holding on to as far as unforgiveness in your life, especially unforgiveness, then that's the area we all got to work on. Every one of us. There's not, I'm sure that, and I hope, it would be great if somebody come up and say, I don't have nothing against nobody. I just love everybody no matter what they do or say. I'm going to say, well, good, show me how you do it. It's dying to ourselves every day. It's constantly saying, I love them no matter what. I forgive them no matter what. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show love to them next time I see them. I'm not going to shun them away. I'm not going to talk about like I'm not going to do these things that show different than what God's commanded me to do. It won't be easy. We know that. It won't be, it's not easy to love everybody. It never will be because there are other humans that are flawed just like we are. But we can do it if we try, if we strive for that. And, and that's going to help weed things out of our life to where that seed that God planted in us when we got saved, and it's going to shine forth, and it's going to produce fruit. Produce fruit. He said produce more fruit. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to produce out of our life, not just sit here on Sunday mornings and not do anything. Sure, helping with VBS and doing all these things we do at the church is, is a fruitful act. Don't get me wrong. But be fruitful out there. Out there. 
It could be easy to start and, hey, have you ever led anybody to Christ? Would you know what to say if somebody come up to you and say, I want to be saved? I mean, it's a serious question. It's a simple question. Would you know how to lead them through a prayer and show them how to be saved just like you were saved? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people sitting in church that are not comfortable doing that. I've said it before in my life, years ago, it's been years. Hey, we'll talk, we'll, talk to the, we'll talk Sunday morning. We'll talk to the pastor Sunday morning. That's not what it says. Nowhere in here. Nowhere. And if you don't know how to do that, then you need to get in the Word and you need to find out the Scriptures because every one of us should be leading others to Christ. Every one of us. And part of that leading, and with that leading others to Christ, is going to show the love of Christ. It's going to show that seed. That seed's going to produce boldness. That seed's going to produce the Spirit in our life and, and, and what, what we can do each and every day to love others as Jesus did, no matter what's going on. No matter what's going on. So don't just love in word, love in deed. Love in actions. Love in everything you do, show God's love, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. Whether it's at the traffic light and you get mad at somebody or they honk or horn at you, you don't... Smile and wave. Smile and wave, right? You ain't got to say anything back. You ain't got to get mad. Get those things and those thoughts out of your mind and bring them into, under the submission of, of God Himself. Amen? Amen. We all stand this morning. Next week, or not next week, because uh, Brother Brad's going to preach for us next Sunday. So when we come back, We'll uh, we'll dive into chapter four, first John. So don't leave this morning knowing that you have areas in your life that you need to work on. Areas of unforgiveness, areas of doubt and unbelief, areas where you know just those things easily beset you each and don't do anything about them. Whether it's friends in your life and you need help, you know, either being bold to lead them to Christ. Jesus with them would, would be great. That would be the way to do. But you need boldness to stand up against them and say, no, we're not going to do those things no more. I'm not going to participate in those things, whether it makes you look cool, uncool, or whatever. Who cares? Being uncool is not going to keep you out of heaven. Right? It's because you are part of the cool kids. Most of them, most of them are dying and going to hell because they're cool to the world standards. Not to Jesus' standing. But if you're here this morning and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, say it, I say it every week, today's the day of salvation. Right?